Welcome to the Music Habits Podcast, episode 56. Welcome to the Ableton and Music Habits Podcast, actionable music production tips to take your music to the next level. And now, your host, Jason Timothy. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today, I'm going to get into how I went a whole year averaging, finishing about a song per week for the whole year. I actually finished 52 songs in 13 months, to be fair, but that's pretty close. And I wanted to share with you guys what I learned in this process so that maybe you can get better results as well after listening to this podcast. So I wanted to break down many of the major habits and some of the more subtle things that helped me finish a lot of music in a short amount of time. This is gonna be a long one, so settle in and let's get into it. Um, I've shared before the fact that I created a music making process that took me from finishing three to five songs a year to 52 songs in 13 months. And I share the process in my book called, wait for it, The Process for Electronic Music Producers. Now for some of you, this might not seem so staggering. And if that's the case, that's pretty amazing. But for me, it was a revolution that transformed my music production and has helped thousands of aspiring producers do the same. If you're struggling to finish what you start in a way that makes you proud, let me share a few things that helped me get to this level with my own music, and hopefully it helps you guys. So first thing you wanna focus on is process, not techniques. There's a lot of cool tricks and techniques out there, and I love them just like everyone else, but I discovered that techniques don't necessarily finish songs. What I found is that typically, the more techniques you have in your head without a home, the more confusion you face. It's like collecting hundreds of spices but having no idea what you're trying to cook. So the solution isn't more spices. This collection of spices gives so many options of what to prepare that you can't really make up your mind. On top of that, I realized that I didn't even have the fundamentals needed to make anything at all. If you want to finish music, you need to understand both the fundamentals of a track and the process. When I say process, yes, we are creating some limitations. We have to do this to focus on what is important. This doesn't mean, however, that I'm attempting to stifle your creativity and unique sound. In fact, you need to understand that a unique sound does have limitations and boundaries. For example, you can bake a million different types of cake and you can absolutely craft something that is unique, creative, and absolutely delicious because of the focus limitations of the process. It's only when you have perfected how a cake has been made over the centuries that you can truly explore innovative flavors and ideas. This is the way that I want us to look at music. Before crafting the song that makes all the music theory nerds gush with envy, you need to learn to craft a simple three chord tune. Complexities only work when they are built on a collection of simpler fundamentals. So it's more important to successfully finish something simple. By mastering this, you'll start to understand the reasons why you might want to explore more complex ideas. Or you might realize that you don't need complex ideas to get your ideas across. You'll begin to learn that both simple and complex ideas are crafted from a very similar process. You may have heard the saying that it's best to learn the rules so that you can break them for the right reasons. And I find this mostly true. Although happy accidents can be the basis of some of your favorite tracks, the reason they work is by and large because you've gained the understanding of how to make it work by your knowledge of the recipe you've developed for your craft. When I started playing guitar, poorly, many moons ago, my goal was never to be a great guitarist. My goal was always, okay, I've learned these two chords, let's see if I can make a song with them. Everything I did in the future was always focused on songs, not on a specific instrument. 
Now, I'm not saying that one approach is better than another, but I will say that you will tend to go down one of two roads. You either go in the direction of musician or songwriter. You can certainly be both, but usually you're going to lean more to one side than another. Just understand that if your main goal is to be a proficient musician, it'll likely take you longer to become a great songwriter. This is why there are complete novice musicians who make songs that are more palatable and intriguing than some brilliant musicians. You don't need to be a great musician to be a great producer and vice versa. For example, Kurt Cobain was not an amazing guitarist. There's plenty who play better than him, but very few were capable of crafting songs that connected to so many people. Just so we're clear here, I'm not qualified to make you a better musician, but I believe I can help you to craft and finish more songs you can be proud of. So focus on process first if you want to be better at the skill of music production. It's not that complicated once you get it down, but it does take practice, effort, and focus. The more of the unnecessary that you can cut out, the better off you're going to be. Next, we get into something that I talk a lot about in the podcast, but it always bears repeating. Daily practice. If you've followed any of my work, you're probably sick of hearing this, but daily practice is truly the biggest secret to me becoming a confident and proficient producer. What makes a great music producer is that they've run into a thousand more challenges than most of us and have learned how to navigate through them without losing momentum. By showing up daily, I was exposing myself to patterns that became more and more familiar. When I would stop my daily practice, it would tend to take more time for my brain to recognize and build upon these patterns and insights. When you've done something difficult enough times, the brain starts to relax and think, we've gotten through this before, and because of that, we can do it again. Then those challenges just become second nature to solve without really much stress. Every day you do the work is another day of confidence building, of not being afraid of failure or a bad day. Daily practice improves your skills exponentially. Let me explain. Let's say you work on music for 100 non-consecutive days, and each day you work on music, you get 1% better. That would make you 100% better. When you work daily, let's say you not only add the 1% for the day, but also 1% of the previous consecutive days. So by day 20, you wouldn't just be 20% better, you might be 24.5% better. And this number would just keep compounding exponentially over time. I'm not attempting to quantify exactly how much better you can get with daily practice, but just trying to give you an idea of the difference daily work can make in your progress over time. I personally found this to be pretty accurate, if not a bit conservative in my experience. Next, we get into organization. Getting organized was an enormous contributor to finishing more songs quickly and helped me maintain or even improve on quality. Here are some of the steps that I took to go from unorganized mess to well-oiled music-making machine. First and foremost, I listened to music in my style or similar enough to my style. I listened to particular songs as well as DJ mixes. I took notes on the types of sounds that work best within my style. The kick drum, the bass tones, the pads, the stabs, the synths, atmospherics, and the types of effects or filters that were being used. I took notes describing each sound in detail. Were they long sounds? Were they short sounds? Were they metallic? Were they wooden? Were they a hard sound or a soft sound? Was the sound dry or was it wet? Was it bright or was it warm? I used as much detail as possible using descriptions that made the most sense to me. This gave me a list of the types of sounds I needed for my style. Not only does it get me laser targeted on my sound, it also cuts out all the cool but unnecessary things that aren't going to help me accomplish my thing. Next, I start making my go-to drums, bass sounds, synths, 
etc. I'll usually search presets and see what gets me closest and tweak the sounds from there. Then I'll rename the new presets with 000 in front of them so my go-to sounds come up at the top of my searches. So that makes things a lot more convenient when I'm trying to search for the sounds that I've personally made. Next, I create a basic default chain of most of my common used effects so I don't have to hunt them down. I'll also have each effect ready to go with the most common settings that I might use. If you don't know what that is, just update as you go. Things I might have in my default effect chain is EQ, compression, delay, reverb, saturation, and a transient shaper. This is a huge time saver because it's probably something I'm gonna reach for on every track. I also do my best to organize the samples I have so the ones that work for my style are easy to locate as well. Taking the time to set this up for yourself is something that you'll thank yourself for later. It's gonna help get you in the flow and keep you there for much longer. The faster you can go from idea to action, the better. It'll also help you from second guessing every decision because you've already done the hard work. Next, we get into inspiration and references. Inspiration is rarely something that comes out of nowhere. Inspiration is more commonly a reaction to something that sparked your imagination. With this in mind, the more input you can expose yourself to, the more things to spark your creativity. Many producers make the mistake of thinking every idea has to come through isolation in order to be original and cut themselves off from all the great art around them. The truth is that most of the greatest songs are an adaptation and combination of other artists that came before them. We're all standing on their shoulders and the wheel has already been perfected. So trying to reinvent it is futile. Originality is more about perspective. It's you looking at the same things others have looked at, but in a different way. This is why sampling the work of others can make some of the most original and unique ideas. We're not the inventor of ideas. Our job is to simply repurpose them. If you want to make a lot of music, you have to keep allowing yourself to be inspired. For me, this came through music, art, conversations, movies, nature, and really almost anything that I was open to. Cutting off a source of inspiration because you think it's cheating is more of a cheat to yourself. If you want to stay inspired, never cut off the constant flow of energy around you. You were born with originality and taste. Anything that flows through you is going to have your energy stamped on it. So stop being afraid and you'll accomplish much more. Next, let's get into some planned accidents. I discovered over time that it was really important to separate my sound design and experimentation days from my song crafting days. Sound crafting was a rabbit hole that would not only slow my productivity, but often lose the plot with the song I was working on. Sound designing is about exploring all the possibilities while producing is about making fast choices. It was a huge revelation when I realized that these two mindsets don't work that well together. I found that it's much easier to set up session times for each separately. This is where planned accidents can come into play. For me, planned accidents are setting up scenarios for unexpected things to happen. There are a few ways I'll approach making interesting sounds that I can later cut up and use on my own song construction days. Keep in mind that I fully expect a lot of what comes out will be garbage. We're just looking for the unexpected gems. The things I like to explore in these idea sessions is extreme time stretching, granular effects, and reversing sounds. This is really great for repurposing samples or audio from a track you're working on. You never really know what's gonna happen, and that is kind of the beauty of it. You just stay open to whatever happens. It either works or it doesn't. Another approach is to grab a synth I'm not very familiar with and drag in an assortment of interesting effects. Next, I'll create long and short MIDI notes. I keep everything one note, just playing different octaves. This makes it a lot easier to drop into a sampler and get the correct notes playing on the correct keys later. While looping a MIDI part, I'll send the audio output of this track to another audio track so I can record everything that I'm doing. 
Then I just hit record and twist all the synth parameters and turning on and off different groups of effects. I try to do things I wouldn't normally do to see what happens. I also like to automate things with LFOs and get a bunch of parameters moving on their own. I keep going for like 30 to 40 minutes and then cut up the audio bits that I'm inspired by. Now I've got a bunch of unique sounds no one's ever heard that I can pull into my track on the next music making session. This works so much better for me than trying to make interesting sounds in the middle of a session. If you haven't done this, you should definitely give it a try. Now let's talk about finishing unfinished tracks, collaborations, and remixes. I don't think I would have been able to finish a song per week for a full year if every song was started from scratch. I absolutely took advantage of unfinished songs in my archives. The difference, however, was that I had gained a lot of production momentum and became much better at problem solving and making quick decisions. Most of the reasons I wouldn't finish a song in the past are either because I had too many ideas going on and I couldn't decide a direction, or the track lost its original spark and I didn't know how to retrieve it. What made a big change for me was to look at the mess of ideas and just pick one. Even if it might be the wrong choice, I realized that it didn't really matter what I picked. What matters is that I committed to seeing an idea to its end. Instead of agonizing over all the twists and turns I thought I needed to prepare for in advance, I changed my attitude about things. What if a great song is just one idea kept interesting for five or six minutes? This got me out of the mindset that I had to overthink where the song is supposed to go. I would simply let a part play until I felt something needed to happen. And then I would go and just do enough to regain my interest for another four to eight bars. Of course, sometimes it feels necessary to take your song in a new direction for a bit, but you should feel it instead of force it. You'd be surprised how simple a great song can be, and I believe that it's because you make a decision at the beginning of your main groove. This becomes home, if you will. Then the song is simply about leaving and returning to home. Once I made this discovery, finishing my unfinished tracks became much easier. Collaborations and remixes are also great ways to work faster. And collabs are great because you can bounce your ideas off another person when you get stuck and learn some workflow ideas that you might not have considered. Going back and forth keeps you both from hitting burnout on a track. You know, and remixes are great because you've already got a load of sounds to work with and a basic song structure. I'm not saying this was a strategy to finish more songs, but simply when I was inspired and needed to take a break from starting a song from scratch, this kept me moving forward. So just make sure the person you're collaborating with is actually in the habit of finishing songs as well, because you don't want to be waiting on someone who never had the intention to finish what you both had started. Let's talk about turning one song into three songs. This technique can work amazingly well to finish more tracks. I started to get in the mindset of thinking EPs instead of singles. If I wanted to get signed to a label, they usually needed two songs at the very least, normally three songs in a remix or two songs and two remixes. This means if you want to get signed to a label, you need more than one song that fits what the label wants. If they like one track and not the other, this hurts your chances of getting signed. So your job is to make two or three songs that sound similar enough that if they like one song, they'll like them all. So my approach is to work on one track until I have a solid groove with drums and bass. And then I'll copy and paste that eight bar loop further down in my song arrangement and make new bass lines. Not a variation of the same song with the same notes, but a whole new bass groove. Sometimes I'll write two new bass lines and these will be starter points for my next tracks. This makes things go much faster as all you have to do is switch out some of the drum sounds, change the drum pattern a little bit, and you're off and running in a new direction. All your EQs and processing is already done for your drums and bass. So your job is just to fill it out with melodic parts and arrangement. And before you know it, you've got an EP ready to go. Just like a bass player in a band, using the same sound can become a signature for you. 
There's no reason you need to reinvent your bass sound with every track. All my bass lines are typically based around five different bass sounds, and it's never really been an issue. Plus, I know how to process these sounds really well because I've gained experience with every track. Now, let's talk about arranging tracks. Arranging songs for me used to be my biggest nemesis. I'd agonize for ages on it and still wouldn't be very happy with the results. And this took a ton of creative energy that was better served focusing on other aspects of music making. There had to be a better way. And from my experience, there is. The idea is you just steal the arrangements that you like in other tracks. It's not stealing the music. You just wanna know kind of where the breaks are. So what I'll do is I'll stretch out my eight bar groove for the length of this reference track and make sure the reference track is warped to the same tempo or this won't work. From here, I'll mark my breaks by simply removing the kick drums in those areas. This will make it easier to locate where something needs to happen in your track. So basically you sort out your intro and outro and are left with three or four sections to make little changes to. Then you work out your breaks and builds and you're pretty damn close to done. Now, how do you motivate yourself when you feel like you're failing? What I found when producing consistently is that every couple months I'd go through some really rough creative days where I just felt like total crap and that nothing is working and it's not likely that I'm ever gonna finish this song. These kind of meltdowns are like terrifying the first couple times they happen. And I found myself in a rut with a particular song that I couldn't find my way out of. These kind of sessions can really make you question everything and it can be pretty depressing. But what I realized is the only way to handle this is to just push through that mud and keep showing up every day. And usually within three to four days, you start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Surprisingly, some of my biggest breakthroughs are a result of these experiences. In fact, some of these hopeless songs that I was working on became some of my favorites, probably because they were a mental stretch into unfamiliar territory. The biggest lesson here is to just stay the path and know the dark days will pass, and they always do. So to conclude this podcast, when you put your focus on finishing what you start, you make some of your most valuable discoveries. Not every tune is gonna be a banger, and that's totally okay. But when you stack up your results over a period of time, you'll very clearly see how far you've come. And this is something you can always be proud of. As you explore your process, I hope my experience gives you inspiration and hope. Hey guys, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And if you're having trouble, you know, finishing your own songs or you find a song you're working on just has lost a certain amount of spark, make sure to download my free guide called the Song Recovery Guide at musicsoftwaretraining.com forward slash recovery. And with that, happy music making.